as Pastor Eric mentioned, um, today's kind of a unique Sunday, and uh, I want to take a little bit of time here and set up kind of what's going on, because I think there's a tendency for people to sometimes listen to what we're about to do here and not have the full context of why it's so important to us as a church and also to you as our church family with this. So I actually want to fit today within the series that we've been working through, the Ready Together Go series. Uh, This is actually part of that, if you will. And let me kind of refresh where we've come from. So we started out with Ready, and we talked about how in Ephesians 6, uh, at the beginning of the year, that it means about standing strong in the Lord, not in our strength, but in the Lord's strength, Uh, standing firm in the Lord, armored up in the Lord's armor, praying, total dependence upon the Lord. He is the strength. He is the one who it's all about. It is all about him, uh, not about us. And we're to be ready, people. And as I was talking about that, that's people are entering this year like this. We're ready. Come on, come on, year. Not because I'm strong, but because the Lord is strong in all of that. And then we talked about how building a, a, a biblical theology of together, of relationship, setting the basis upon which we're actually through February through March going to be building off of this theology of relationship. And we started out with God has ordained relationship. God has ordained relationship. Relationship is not a man-made idea. Relationship is a God-purposed reality designed by him. And he created it. He created it in the beginning. We saw how in Revelation he's creating it for a relationship into eternity but it's not just the beginning and the end and we're like suffering through it here but it's also it's purpose now it's continued uh, it is continued relationship we saw that through covenant how God has established covenant with people over time God is always the one pursuing it it's so cool in that but also by command, love the Lord your God and also love others in that. And then next Sunday is gonna be our third part of building out the theology of relationship and then we're gonna take that basis and go into the book of Corinthians and, and uh, kind of work some pragmatic things out together and build on it. Uh, we've been focusing on the together word and that's really where we will be with this series but today, today is kind of an opportunity to focus on the go word in all of this. Um, go. And with that, I kind of have a statement that I want to make with this uh, in it because I want to take a couple minutes. Yeah, that won't happen in a couple minutes, I realize. I want to build a biblical theology of go um, uh, here and set this out. So here's the statement. God has ordained his people to be a going people. God has ordained his people to be a going people. And uh, uh, that call to be a going people, it is an all call. And it is a to everywhere call. What I mean by it's an all call, it's, hey, if you know Christ is your savior, you are in the call. You're part of the call. Yeah, but I'm not there. No, you're part of the call, okay? It's an all call and it's a, and it's a to everywhere call, on that. And uh, Pastor Doug, can you show me that from Scripture? I love it when people ask questions like that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you asked. So here's Genesis 128 up on the screen. You can take a look here. In the very beginning, uh, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and He said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Listen, we just read by that and we lose sight of what God is doing there. God has put two people on the earth and He's saying, I want more. I want more like this. I want it all over the place. I love this, and I want more of this. 
And that is just from the very beginning a core foundational reality of who God is. He wants more for his glory, more for our good in it. Also, Exodus 19.6, jump ahead, post the Exodus, and, uh, and uh, they're at Mount Sinai, and God says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. By the way, that really fits with the f- f- be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth reality, but Doug, that's Old Testament stuff. Okay, then let's bring in the New Testament, 1 Peter 2.9. Peter carries out this Exodus 19.6 idea, and he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of his name who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. By the way, so often over the years I hear people, you know, man, I, I don't know, I don't, I'm not real good at sharing, the, you know, the, 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 who Christ is or the, you know, this illustration or that of the gospel and that. And it's like, hey, hey, here's what it is. Share the excellencies of his name. We're all to be doing that. All of us. And it's to be to everywhere is the reality. And then encapsulate all that in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, the Great Commission. Jesus said right before his ascension, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. Go. Go what? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. There we have it right there. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the ages. That's really, really wonderful because not by our strength, only by his let me just add one more. Actually, we read, it was read to us earlier, Revelation 5, 9, and they sang a new song. Worthy are you, Lord, to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. Friends, from the very beginning, God has ordained that his people together are a going people. That, that's the call in it, and we're to be part of that, and, and it's an all call, and it's a to everywhere call. But I wanna add something in this on the pragmatic, on the strategic side of this, because I think this oftentimes doesn't get brought into the discussion and has application implication for our time today, and it's this. The call is not an all to everywhere call. In other words, it's an all-participating in the to-everywhere call. More of this is going to be laid out as we go through some of the Corinthians here and some more specificity with this, but here's just the pragmatic reality. We all feel the call. We all hear the call. We all know the call. We all understand it's an everywhere call, but the fact of the matter is we, as one local church, can't go everywhere. Know this. That's not the call. The call is not that each local church goes everywhere. The call is that the universal church of the Lord is having impact everywhere. And in the pragmatic working out of that, it means that we are participating in that and we are partnering with God's people around the world to be going everywhere. And so that's why you see churches sometimes who have almost like specializations in the call going. And that's fantastic. Not everyone has to do everything, but everyone is supposed to be doing something. Okay? And where this fits is, is it talks about here at this church. We are part of Harvest Bible Chapels. There's 155 of them now. When we launched uh, nine years ago, we were just number 25. 
And God is doing a work. And yet we are not the only churches in the world. There are other churches that are, but one of the things that is unique about Harvest Churches, I would sum it up in two things. Number one, we are a church, and I think all churches should be, but we are a church that is passionately pursuing raising disciples to make disciples to make disciples. When it all comes down to it, we're not here about the parties, we're not here about all the little wonderful, you know, get-togethers, all that's fantastic, but when it comes right down to it, we're about raising disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples, that's it on the table, that's who we are, okay? Now, along with that, one of the, I'll say, unique things about us is beyond our walls, we are about planting, I'm going to call them vertical churches. We are about planting churches. By the way, we are a plant of Harvest Bible Chapel out of Chicago. We were the 25th plant out of Chicago. Uh, Brian White, Harvest Bible Chapel up on the north side of Indianapolis, they launched about eight, nine months earlier than us out of Harvest as well. Brian and Harvest North has been involved in planting churches in Florida and planting churches over in Libya. We have actually been involved in kind of cheerleading some plants like Harvest down in Bloomington and, and some other places. Uh, St. Louis had just launched, that's been here, that we've spent some time with them here and there and some conversations on the phone. And we've kind of been along and cheerleading and helping and loving and assisting over in Arad and over in Scotland and over in the various places where we've been even so far. But we have been involved at a different level with one and now two churches. We have been key lead in planting the Harvest Bible Chapel on the south side of Indianapolis. I want to be very, very clear. It hasn't been a cheerleading thing, although we've kind of been quiet about it. In many ways, we don't want this to become a pat ourselves on the back. We're just doing the work there and helping them. And I'm telling you, friends, God is at work there. And what is happening there is so cool. I'm telling you, some Sunday, go down to Harvest on the south side with Pastor Brock and DJ and them. It's just cool what God is doing. And, and I am involved on a regular basis. I, I am an elder there. I'm like me and Brock are the only elders there right now. We're in the process of getting elders there. I'm involved in a lot of things with them on an ongoing basis with that and coaching Brock through a number of things. And yet we want to go more. And so what's going on is God has brought through, as you'll hear, a couple to us through our own ministry people out of here to who is interested now in planting a harvest, a second harvest in St. Vincent Island. And it's not, we're just not cheerleading them on. I want for you to know this. We are lead on this. Okay, this is our plant. Okay, this isn't just like toss them out, send them out, put a name on the wall out in the lobby and pat ourselves on the back and think we're really awesome. No, we're out on that. We're involved with them for the long haul. Amen. Hear me on that? <laughs> Miche loves that. We are involved with them on the long haul. Why? Because we're about planting vertical churches. Well, well, aren't there enough churches in the world today? Listen, I'll say it this way. There are plenty of horizontal churches. There are not enough vertical churches. Committed to teaching and doing God's word. Committed to raising disciples. Too many horizontal playing Jesus. Too few worshiping and glorifying and making his name famous. And that's what we're about. And so more of those. Okay? Not for our fame, but for the Lord's glory. Wow, I'm fired up right at the moment. Amen. And I can't keep talking. Um, let me just add to this, and then uh, we'll have uh, them come up. 
just this week, I had the opportunity to, because we're actually within Harvest World, we're a regional church, and so we right now have uh, uh, three other churches here in Indiana and four in Ohio who are kind of under my and our uh, involvement in that. And uh, so the regional pastors came together. So there are 14 of us that gathered together up in Michigan. And Pastor James is there, Ed Stetzer, who's involved in uh, helping churches uh, planting and uh, involved with some things up at Wheaton. Uh, really cool was there. And just going through and talking about how can we advance things to the next stage as a church. As we're an autonomous church. They don't run us. But at the same time, we love doing ministry together with and uh, I am just really excited about what the Lord is doing. You may not believe this, but I was the quietest guy in the room. Um, for it, trust me, small man among many big men. And um, it was just an honor. And we are positioned in a place for Lord willing, I would love to see us have five plants planted out of us, uh, whether it's here in Indianapolis, but also beyond Sorry, I get really cranked up about this. I'd love to see five churches planted by the end of year 2020, and the first time I think Nate heard that was in the first service. Um, I would love to see the day when we have, and we call these strategic partnerships where we're engaged with them in the long haul. We're not just sending money. We're not just giving them a flowery word, but we are going there. My dream is someday is that we would have like 10 around the world, here in Indianapolis and beyond, that we, you, could go to Europe and to Africa and to South America and to India and beyond and involved in seeing what life is like and partnering with hands-on, not sending money but going, okay? So today, why this is so important is because this isn't about just cheering someone on. Misha, we could, Monique, we could do that. Way to go. One more plant church out there, that'd be awesome. That's not about that. We're in with these folks. And we're in for a long time. Because we want to be. Because this is who we are, and this is what we do, as well as some other things. Okay? So as you listen, learn who they are. Hear what's going on. Because this is part of us. All right? go. Let me pray. Lord, I would just ask that you would increase our vision for more for your glory. Lord, we don't want to be a stale church. We don't want to be about ourselves church. We don't want to be a pat ourselves on our back church. We want to be a face down before you adoring you as we just sang. We want to be awed by you struck by you, blown away by you, amazed that you would use us I mean, here on the west side of Indianapolis, who are we? You are a God that uses who are we people. So I would, I would pray for more. And I pray that we would not be ashamed about it. I pray that we would not be shy about it. And I pray that we would be very wise and humble about it. So God, thank you. We get to do more for you. How cool is that? You are an awesome God. In the Lord's name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. Um, 
If you don't know me, I'm Nate. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is my wife, Amy. And uh, uh, one of my roles here at Harvest is I get to be involved with both local and international Beyond Our Walls ministries. So that means that I have the privilege of being involved with the Pauls and being involved with church planting, and I love it. Um, If you don't know them, this is Miche and this is Monique. And here in a little bit, their two boys will be in here, Luik and Lorenz. They're over in Harvest Kids now. Um, But we just wanted to take a few minutes here this morning with the Pauls before they head back to St. Vincent tomorrow and just ask them some questions in order to help you get to know them just a little bit better and in order for us all to understand better uh, the church planting process. So, uh, Miche, let's go back a little bit. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your story, a little bit about what you did before deciding to plant a Harvest Bible Chapel. Thank you, Pastor Nate, and... Uh, I, it's always a difficult question for me to answer, and uh, I'm a very active person, and I, I was involved in so many things, but I, in St. Vincent, I was working with the government of St. Vincent and the Grenadines as a teacher. I teach Spanish and French in secondary school. I was also uh, a translator and interpreter for the government, for the prime minister. I was the personal interpreter and translator for the Venezuelan ambassador in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. I, work with the, I worked with the police force, uh, the intelligence, and also doctors, private companies, lawyers. Uh, I worked at the Supreme Court as a translator, and that was my life. And then inside the church, I was involved in all the ministries except women ministry except women, women's ministry, because my wife would not, would not have allowed me to, to be part of it. So I did parking, assimilation. Um, I was part of the worship team. I was uh, also a deacon, a uh, small group leader. I, uh, I was a teacher with my wife at Harvest Kids. I did everything. So that was my life you know, before I went uh, to the training center in Chicago. How about you, Monique? What did you do before? Um, I was the former head of the Modern Languages Department at the St. Vincent Girls High School, where I taught for 10 years. I taught both French and Spanish. At church, I was also very involved, um, not in every ministry like my husband, but <laughs> I was part of the leadership team uh, for Harvest Kids and also for Women's Ministries. And you guys are related to Pastor Al and Debbie? Oh, yes. Person? Pastor Al is, uh, is married to my wife's sister, and, which is Debbie. And I always tell uh, Pastor, Pastor Al that I've been blessed. I'm married to the most beautiful one because she's my wife. <laughs> so, wait, so how many languages do you speak? I speak eight different languages. I speak Creole and French, uh, Spanish and English, Italian, uh, Portuguese, uh, German, and a bit of uh, Mandarin Chinese. So we could be doing this in like Creole? Of course. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> you could. I couldn't. <laughs> uh, so how did, the, how did the Lord begin to work in you um, to consider planting a church? What did that process look like? In 2014, we, uh, we had the privilege uh, 
to take part in our first mission trip in Haiti with uh, Larry and, uh, and Dennis Woods, uh, Stu and Kim Wormley. Uh, we went there to conduct a marriage conference in a locality called Merger. And uh, the people were so impacted by that marriage conference. And after that, we started to speak to Larry and Dennis about it. And upon our return to St. Vincent, we expressed our desire to Pastor Al because we felt the desire. We felt that God was calling us to do something greater. And um, we expressed that to Pastor Al and Debbie. We started to, to pray earnestly about it. And we asked God to do something great in our lives. And uh, we, uh, when I see, as a, as a person myself, when I see people who have been bruised and broken, how God has used them. And now, today, they are proclaiming the good news of Jesus with boldness. I ask myself, why not me? I've been bruised, I've been broken as well. And when God placed uh, that calling on my life, I said like Moses, God, you've got the wrong guy. Because I felt undeserved, unworthy, unqualified for that. But God reminded me that he is the one who chooses, he's also the one who equips. And here we are today going to plant the second harvest in Georgetown with harvest in the West for God's glory. Why not? Amen. So Mishay, tell us something that God has taught you through this process. God had, has taught me humility and to trust, to trust him, to trust him. Because I've seen God working in our lives in marvelous ways, in ways that we cannot put into words. That's what God has taught us in that process. What about you, Monique? I would also reemphasize that um, God really taught me specifically in this process to just trust him completely and to depend on him. So then you guys, you guys went through kind of the application process to, to plant a church with the fellowship, and then they were selected as church planters, and then you went up to Chicago for four months to be part of the uh, Harvest Bible Fellowship training center up there. You did that at the end of last year. Um, in that kind of training time for you, what was, a, what was a highlight during that time? Something that really stuck with you and made an impact on you? I mentioned that this morning I said... Uh, they break you to make you. And, uh, and I'm saying that with all humility because uh, I believe, you know, that I needed something like that. I needed something like that uh, to become a church planter. And I believe every believer, every Christian needs to go to a training like that because I came to realize, you know, what it means, the Great Commission, to fulfill the Great Commission. Because I said... A lot of people in the world are making disciples. But you are asking yourselves, are they making disciples for Christ? They are making followers, but they are making followers for Christ. So if you call yourself a believer, a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, you have to be a disciple maker. 
because disciples of Jesus make other disciples. So I came to realize that my purpose in this life is to be a disciple and to be a disciple maker. Uh, uh, and that's what we're going to do, you know, in, in Georgetown. That's, that's my big takeaway from, from that training. So now you've spent the, the last month here with us doing your internship, and they've spent their time here building relationships. They've been in a lot of homes. A lot of food. (laughs) (laughs) So good job feeding them well. Um, So they've been building relationships. We've been reviewing kind of our coaching relationship and then preparing for next steps towards planting Harvest Georgetown. And now tomorrow they'll fly back to St. Vincent Island, back home on this journey. No arms. (laughs) No and they'll be, I think you're flying out about 10.30 in the morning, yes. so they'll be at the airport about 8.30 in the morning, American Airlines. If you've made a connection with them, they'd probably love it if you could make it and see them off from the airport tomorrow morning. But you may be asking, so now what's next? What are the next steps for them in St. Vincent? Well, their primary focus when they go back um, is their core group. Um, growing and developing a core group is the very heart of planting a Harvest Bible Chapel. And uh, they'll be establishing and reinforcing the vision of planting the church. And they're going to be conducting vision meetings throughout the next several months and building into and equipping this group of people into a committed, contagious, compelled, and courageous group of people that's hopefully going to be moving forward towards launch on mission together to Lord willing, uh, plant this church and launch the first week of October of this year. Um, So that's a little bit of what they'll be doing, a little bit uh, of what we will be and can be doing in this process. Uh, Our leadership team here at Indy West is going to be involved with coaching Harvest Georgetown. We're going to be involved with them on a week-by-week basis, helping them in the next steps of the phase towards church planting. But uh, how can you be involved? Um, How can you be a, a help and an encouragement and part of this church plant? Well, a few ways. The first thing that you can do uh, is you can pray. Um, Pray a lot. Um, I cannot emphasize enough to you um, how important it is for us as a body of believers to be crying out to God um, for this family, for this church, Um, For the people of Georgetown, um, begging God to be in this for his glory. So be praying. Um, Miche, what's what's one area maybe of a particular challenge that we can be praying for Harvest Georgetown? Well, I I want to say that, I want to mention that, you know, as you mentioned about praying, you know, and what, you know, my heart, you know, and... When you announced that to me, you wrote me an email uh, during the week. You told me that there was a little girl in middle school who didn't even know how to write my name properly. But she wrote, I am praying for God's strength for Pastor Michel. Prayer is key. It's a key component in that. And uh, I would like you to pray for us so that we have a committed, compelled, contagious call. We just call groups so that we all of us will, will, will stay focused on the cause because we can be easily distracted as a church planter. You know? But we want you to pray for us, for us to be committed, and for also pray, pray also for receptive hearts in Georgetown that the people would receive, you know, not us, but they would receive, they would receive Jesus as their personal savior. 
Monique, what's a way that we can be praying for your family over the next month? We definitely covered your prayers. And so uh, for the protection of our marriage and for our children. We will be praying. Man, please do. Right? Harvest, we'll be praying. Man. Um, so we can be praying. That's one way that we can be involved. Uh, another way that we can be involved and you can be involved is, is by giving. Um, uh, there are going to be opportunities throughout this year to give to help with this church plant. Be praying now about that um, and about how you might be involved with that. And then be ready when those opportunities arrive so that you can be giving towards that. So we can be praying, we can be giving. And, and the third way that you can be involved is you can be going. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about our international trips this year, both in the spring and the summer that we're going to be doing. Two of those trips are going to be going to Harvest Georgetown. Um, and so a way you can be involved is by applying to be part of one of those trips and then going. And those two trips specifically to Georgetown are going to be focused on building relationships with them. They're going to be focused on building into and equipping the core group and the launch team as they move closer to launch time. Um, and they're going to be focused on raising awareness in Georgetown that Harvest Bible Chapel is here in the city. They are followers of Jesus. They are a vertical church, and they welcome you to be part of what's happening here. So, um, so we can be praying, uh, we can be giving, and we can be going. And so let's do that as a church family and planting this church. Um, we've asked Misha just to share um, for a few minutes just a passage of Scripture that is really important to him. And so he's going to do that. Thank you, uh, Pastor Ned, once again. And I want to take this opportunity as well to thank our Indiwes family for the love and the relationship that we have built uh, during this time here. And we felt really loved and honored to be and we, I told my wife that we are at the right place, at the right time. And when you are in a place where you feel loved, this is the better place that you can be. And I think that God has orchestrated that for us. I've been asked you now to share my favorite passage with you. And let me tell you where I, I took it from. I took it from, from Mark 5. And I will just read uh, two verses for you. It is the story of Jairus and his daughter that was on the bed that was about to die. Verse 35 says, While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. And as I told you, this passage is the story of a, of a sick 12-year-old girl and a desperate father, a father who knew is something was not done before. Soon, his daughter would probably die. When we applied to go to the training center in Chicago, we waited for two years. We waited for a long time because we applied. We really wanted that to happen. We were desperate, just like Jairus. We wanted God to give us an answer. And we asked God to do something great, something new in our life. 
It was taking long. But we never lost hope. We had to believe in God for that to happen. That passage taught me patience, how to wait on the Lord. Many times we can wait and not trust Him. We can trust and not wait. We have to do both together. Because when you are so desperate, you want things to happen very fast, very quick, your way. But we must understand that God has a timing for everything. It was God's timing for us to be here at Harvest in the West and at, at, uh, at Harvest Chicago. That passage also taught me humility. Imagine Jairus was the ruler of the synagogue, a Pharisee. You know, all the Pharisees, they hated Jesus. They hated all what Jesus stood for. Imagine that Pharisee, Jairus, goes at the feet of Jesus and told him, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. Loved ones, it doesn't matter who you are. You may be a doctor. You may be the president of the United States. You may be a famous lawyer. But our social status goes out of the window when we meet Jesus face to face. And some of you parents have known what is to have a child that is seriously ill. And even worse for a child who is about to die. If your son or your daughter or your wife or your, or your husband is sick, is about to die, what you do, you call 911. And then you expect them to come fast, quick, because you want the ambulance to come fast and you'll be praying for no traffic. Imagine putting yourself in Jairus' position. How sad would it be for you to know that before the ambulance reached, your son or your daughter or your wife or your husband didn't make it to the hospital. And before Jesus could reach the little girl, the sad news came and what happened almost derailed Jairus. But what amazed me in the story is that Jesus went with him, Jesus went with Jairus as if nothing had happened. I love this part. Loved ones, Jesus walked into Jairus' house. When Jesus starts fulfilling, fulfilling his promises to you, he's ready to go to your house. He's walking towards your house. He's walking towards your home. He doesn't care what storms arise along the way. As, soon as, as, as long as he's concerned, He's going to walk into your direction until you get your miracle. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Just believe. And the last part is when Jesus went to the house and Jesus took that little girl and said to him, Talita kumi, oh little girl, arise. And the little girl arise immediately. So, loved ones, Jesus, when Jesus walk into your house, when Jesus take you by the hand, he tell you to arise. 
You cannot stay on the ground anymore because Jesus can resurrect your daughter. He can resurrect your son from that sinful condition. He can resurrect your marriage. He can resurrect anything that the world says is dead. It may be dead right now. It may be the reality. But it is not the ultimate or the final reality because when Jesus arrives on the scene, so does the resurrection power of God. Just believe. Keep your eyes on Jesus. When you keep your eyes on Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. And this is what we are going to do for Georgetown. This is what we are going to do in the West family. We are going to keep our eyes on Jesus. We are going to believe. Believe in Jesus alone. And then we will see the things that only God can do. We can be desperate, but trust God. Trust God. We will never be defeated. We'll never be defeated. God, I pray that we believe that we'll never be defeated because we are walking and working with you. Help harvest in the West and Georgetown, our core group, my family and I, our children, O oh Lord, to focus on this cause, to keep our eyes on you, to have faith, to press on for you to do things that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm going to ask uh, if all the elders and pastors and wives would come down here in front of the stage. Michelle and Monique would go down there. Um, the boys come up. Uh, at Harvest, we believe firmly in the power of prayer. Um, and we just want to take a few minutes here before we send this family out, and we want to pray over them and uh, cry out to God. So if you would, if everybody would stand up, and if everybody would just kind of move to the center of the room as much as possible, and let's just gather together. And while we're praying over them, if you would just be praying to yourself for them also. Father, we, uh, we love this family. Um, and we thank you so much that we've been able to have this relationship with them and that even their time here over this month, we've been able to grow closer together with them and they have been a blessing in our lives. Thank you for bringing them to us. And uh, Lord, protect them. Uh, protect them from the evil one. Protect their marriage. Grow Michelle and Monique closer and closer together through these coming months. Lord, protect these boys. I'd ask that you would grow them up to be men after your own heart and that we would see them love you more deeply every day and that they would give their lives for the gospel. Lord, work in this family. Make them more and more like you day by day. And please, Father, work through them. You've told us to 
to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. And so we go together with the Pauls to Georgetown so that your name can be made much of. Dear Lord, build your church in Georgetown, St. Vincent. Draw many to yourself for your glory and for your name. Thank you that we get to join with you in what you're doing already in that place. It is in your going with us that we are distinct. And so, go with the pulse. Go before the pulse. Do things beyond our wildest imagination in this place for your glory and your honor and your praise. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. And God, we continue in prayer. Um, we've been reminded this morning that one of the very last things that Jesus told us right before he went back to heaven to be with you was go make disciples. And God, we want to be obedient to that. I certainly know Miche just reminded us that he wants to be obedient to that. God, you've entrusted to us the supreme work, for some reason, sinful beings like us, you've entrusted to us the good news, spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the redemption that comes from him. And God, just as Nate just prayed, and, and Eric mentioned earlier, you promised to build your church, and Satan will not prevail. And we praise you for that. And so, God, it's with thanksgiving in our hearts that in your sovereignty, you've chosen Miche and Monique and Luik and Lorenz to be your servants to go plant and establish Harvest Bible Chapel, Georgetown. And so now, God, in, in a commissioning kind of way, this faith family surrounds them, and we pray that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit would be active and strong and going before them even now before they even reach back home. I pray for Miche as the pastor. God, help him to be the spiritual and organizational leader that he needs to be in this tough work and to remind him that you're with him in it. I pray that you would bring them, reveal to them a place to meet for church, just the right place there in Georgetown that you already have prepared. I pray for the development of the core team. God, right now, be working in the hearts of people through life circumstances and other people that they encounter. Bring them people that would be committed to praying and planning and preparing and promoting and serving in this interim phase as a core team and then a launch team. And God, when the church launches, we pray even now, months ahead, that you are ordaining the right people that you want to come to the church. God, bring people that need new life in Christ. They see and experience salvation and redemption through Jesus. And then bring people who are passionate about 
worshiping Christ, walking with Christ, and working for Christ. Now, God, I pray that Miche and Monique and Lurique and Lorenz will find great encouragement as they depart us and enter into the new phase that you have called them to, to know that their Harvest Indy West family is with them, and as Pastor Nate has encouraged us, that we are praying, that we are ready to give, and we are ready to go and help. Mostly, God, our prayer right now is that through all the amazing things that are yet to be revealed to us through the development and establishment of Harvest Bible Chapel Georgetown, that you get all the glory for it, God. It's in the, the strong and mighty and powerful and only worthy name that we pray all these things. Amen.